I'm going to be looking today at chapters 21 and 22. The title of this morning's message is, Who is Your King? Who is your king? Who is it that you are serving and following? You know, Jesus said that you cannot serve two masters. You're going to love one and hate the other. There can really only be one, one king, one passion, one, one master passion in your life, one Lord of your life. Either it is the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. It is possibly some other ambition or pursuit that you have. It may be your own. You may be the, the king of your own life. You may, have your, you may be lording over your own life. But you cannot, do, you cannot serve more than one. And what we're going to see here today is a word of prophecy through the prophet Jeremiah speaking to the kings of Judah, the last kings before God came and judged them as a nation. I'm going to uh, ask that uh, you put up the overhead for me. And you'll see the, uh, I think we have it ready, the kings. I have them listed there and the dates in which they reigned. You may remember Jeremiah began his ministry under King Josiah's reign, 639 to 609 B.C. I believe it was in the 13th year of Josiah's reign that Jeremiah was called to be a prophet. And you can see all the way to Zedekiah, he would minister for some 40 years and he would prophesy through each and every one of the reigns of these kings. Josiah was the lad. You can leave that up there just for a little bit and it'll maybe help us as we work our way through the text here. Josiah was really the last good king. He was the last king who brought reform. He was the last king who really desired to see uh, the Lord uh, kind of established in Jerusalem and worshipped by the people. But the kings following Josiah, both his sons, his grandson, uh, they would ultimately uh, fall back into the sins and and the, the idolatry of the culture around them. And Jeremiah began to minister and prophesy under Josiah, but the heart of the people, even though Josiah was a reformer, the people's heart, they were already really given over to idolatry. And the kings that followed Josiah really continued to give those people those things that they pursued after. And what we will see here in chapter 21 and 22 is is a specific word given to these kings. Each one of these kings will be specifically mentioned in these two chapters. But the way that God, the way that uh, Jeremiah presents it to us, uh, we'll discover that, that not all the book of Jeremiah is listed in sequential order. There are going to be some prophecies. It's, it's more just a collection of prophecies, and, and it jumps back and forth in times of different kings and their reign. And what you'll see here today is that we're going to start, chapter 21 is going to leap all the way to the end, to Zedekiah the last king of Judah before Babylon destroyed them, uh, the the prophecy is going to come to him. And then in chapter 22, we're going to see some of the prophecies that were given to the prior kings. So I don't know if you've ever seen a a movie like that where they kind of show you the end at the very beginning and then the rest of the movie is kind of the flashback leading up to that, that end scene. That's kind of the way these two chapters go. You see the end first, Zedekiah, and then a little flashback as to the events that led up to Zedekiah's reign. But it is, it is specifically speaking to the kings. And the kings were to, to represent a certain 
leadership in the nation. They had uh, high responsibility. They were called the, you know, the sons of David. David had set the example. David was a king that had a heart after God's own heart. And he really was to, to set the example. We as Christians, we have a king who sets an example for us. Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is to be our example and how we are to reign and walk with Him. In fact, you remember Jesus speaking to His disciples in Luke 22. He said, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. Jesus would say, in my kingdom, uh, the kings are to act differently. In my kingdom, those who are to be given authority and rulership are really to be the ones that are humble and willing to be servant to all. In the Gentiles, in the world system, it's, you know, it's kind of a competitive, every man for himself. And the king is sometimes ruthless and you know, even tyrannical. We see that even today, don't we? We see the whole Middle East uprising because there have been these dictators who have oppressed the people. Now, who knows exactly what will rise up out of these, if these dictators are thrown off. It may be something worse that comes into power in some of these nations. Some of them are, are very extreme in their views. Some of the terrorist cells that, that dwell in these places, we, we don't know, but you understand the idea that in God's kingdom, it's those that He raises up and gives authority, they're supposed to be servants of all. And Jesus is the one who set that example. Well, these kings had David as their example, but they lost sight of that some, some generations before. And now God is, going to, is getting ready to speak to them. Look with me now in the text, chapter 21, verses 1 and 2. And we see Zedekiah, he comes looking for Jeremiah. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, when King Zedekiah sent to him Pashur, the son of Melchiah, and Zephaniah, the son of Messiah, the priest, saying, Please inquire of the Lord for us. For Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, makes war against us. Perhaps the Lord will deal with us according to all his wonderful works, and the king may go away from us. Now let me give you just a little history setting here in which Zedekiah sends for Jeremiah. In fact, Babylon had already come and conquered Jerusalem and Judah. They had already come in and established their rulership over the region. They had not yet completely destroyed the city. Instead, they, they set up, in fact, Zedekiah, he is something of a puppet king, but, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has put him there to reign over the region. He has then taken captive the prior kings and taken captive most of the noble and wealthy people and he's uh, you know, deported them all back to Babylon. But he has left Zedekiah there to go ahead and rule over what's left there in the nation. So Zedekiah is a king under the overlordship of Babylon. And he would, be, he would do this for a little over ten years. Well... Somewhere along this time, he began to think of himself as not really needing to submit anymore to the king of Babylon. And this is where we come 
to this, in this season of his life, he's, he's decided to go ahead and rebel against Babylon. Let's not send them tribute anymore. Let's go ahead and be our own sovereign nation again, and I'll be your king. Well, guess what? Babylon comes again to, to dethrone and to destroy. Babylon's not ready to let him have his own nation again. He set him there to serve Babylon, and now he's rebelling, so the nation is now surrounded, and Babylon is at the city gate. They have surrounded them. They are laying siege. And now Zedekiah decides it's time to find that prophet Jeremiah. Where is that guy? Go, go ask him to pray and intercede for us. Now that I have kind of gotten us into this mess, see if God will perform some miracle for us. And unfortunately, it's, it's a reflection of really the, the misunderstanding that Zedekiah had concerning a relationship with the Lord. He imagined that he, could not, he, would, he would not have to have any allegiance or any sense of loyalty to the Lord, but that he could call on the Lord at his own whim, at his own need. A kind of a, a Lord, come and bless my plan prayer. I've want, I don't really want to submit to you. I'm not really interested in you being the Lord, but I'm very interested in you coming and being my deliverer and you coming and affecting those plans that I have. There's no repentance there's no change of heart here. Zedekiah is not looking to submit to the Lord. He wants the Lord to submit to his plan. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but uh, I see this even in the life of the church today. One commentator says this, Many who will not pray diligence, diligently for daily bread plead desperately for a life-saving miracle. They don't have that daily relationship. They're not, they're not walking in fellowship with, the God, with God. They don't truly trust Him. He's not the Lord of their life. But then when trouble comes, when crisis comes, all of a sudden, let's look to God for a miracle. And I see this go on as a pastor. Often, you know, people come in and, and in a moment of desperation. And I do believe that God... Yeah, will honor a sincere heart, even if that's the case, even if a circumstance, a crisis is what causes you to come to the Lord. I believe God will meet you so long as you're coming sincerely, so long as you're coming recognizing that it's time for him to be the Lord of my life, not coming and asking him to kind of dance to your tune, but really coming and saying, you know what, I've made a mess. I'm in a mess. It's time to humble myself and give my life to the Lord. Jesus said this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? You know, it's one thing to call Him Lord. It's another thing to make Him Lord of your heart and life. And I do see this, unfortunately. And sometimes it becomes a real cycle of frustration for individuals. And I've seen people that, I see faces that come in and they, they're in for a season and then they're out. And then they're back for a season and then they're out. And they, you know, they, they come and they, they go out and they kind of come to the end of themselves and they can't get their circumstances to work out and so they come to church. And maybe God will help me get, my, get, get the circumstances worked out the way I want. And then they come and then they, they, you know, they, they look to the Lord and guess what? He doesn't always perform to, the, to their liking. He doesn't always answer the prayers the ways they, that they had hoped He would. And guess then, then what happens? Then they leave frustrated. Oh, I tried God. It didn't work, you know. And, and, this, and this cycle repeats. There is something about the word Lord that all of us need to understand, what it implies and what it means in our relationship to Him. 
He's not looking. God doesn't need buddies. You're not doing him a big favor. Well, I gave him a try, you know, like you blessed him. God is looking for those that would come and be in relationship with him. God loves you. He doesn't want to be used by you any more than you want to be used by somebody. You know the difference, don't you? When somebody is using you, when somebody really is looking for a meaningful and loving relationship with you, don't you think God sees the heart? God's looking for sincerity. God's looking for those that He can truly bless. Those that He can shower His love. Those that He can pour out His grace upon. But a heart has to be sincere. And this is not the case in Zedekiah. Let's look together at the response from the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah, verses 3-10. through 10. I've I've titled this section, The Party is Over. Then Jeremiah said to them, Thus you shall say to Zedekiah, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will turn back the weapons of war that are in your hands, with which you fight against the king of Babylon and the Chaldeans who besiege you outside the walls, and I will assemble them in the midst of this city. I myself will fight against you with an outstretched arm, excuse me, with an outstretched hand, with a strong arm, even in anger and fury and great wrath. I will strike the inhabitants of this city, both man and beast. They shall die of great pestilence. And afterward, says the Lord, I will deliver Zedekiah, king of Judah, his servants and the people and such as are left in this city from the pestilence and the sword and the famine into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of those who seek their life. And he shall strike them with the edge of the sword. He shall not spare them or have pity or mercy. Now you shall say to this people, thus says the Lord, behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. He who remains in this city shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. But he who goes out and defects to the Chaldeans who besiege you, he shall live, and his life shall be as a prize to him. For I have set my face against this city for adversity, and not for good, says the Lord. It shall be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire." Here's the answer to your inquiry, King Zedekiah. Not only will I not help you fight the Babylonians, but I myself will fight against you. You've come now in this last minute inquiring of me. I've been warning through the prophet now for 40 years. And you come under false pretense. You come not with a with a heart looking to change, not, not looking for relationship, but just come and, and work a miracle for us, please. Not only will I not be doing that, but I myself am going to come and fight against you. You think that your trouble is with Babylon. King, your trouble is with me. I'm the one who has brought Babylon to your door. I am now getting ready to judge you. The prophecy that Jeremiah spoke over the king came to pass. I'll read it to you in 2 Kings 25. So they took the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon at Riblah. And they pronounced judgment on him. And then they killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. They put out the eyes of Zedekiah, bound him with bronze fetters, and took him to Babylon. 
Not only did God judge the city, God judged the king very harshly. But you do notice there in verse 8, Say to the people, Jeremiah, that I set before you life and death. Judgment has come, and it's not going to relent, but there's still hope. There's still, for those that want to spare their life, if you will obey me in this, at this time, you can still save your life. You'll have your life as booty, as your prize. Do not fight against this enemy. They have been sent from God. Go and surrender. Go and give yourself to them. And in that case, you will find life. You know, God would take a number of, of Israelites to Babylon. And God would bless them there in Babylon. God would actually bless the people and, and, and they, would, they would become their own nation again and many would come back to Judah. God is still giving an opportunity here. He's saying, listen, I'm, I will not come and, and perform the plan that you want, but I will give you an opportunity to spare your life if you will, if you will obey me in this, in this that I command you. Well, from there he goes on. And he turns now really to the whole house of David, to the whole royal lineage. And this is really something of the heart, really, of the whole passage. It's, he, he's, he's answered Zedekiah's inquiry, no, Zedekiah, I won't do that. And then he turns to the kings, now listen to me, kings, including Zedekiah. And he, and he speaks, remember that you are of the house of David. And now something of God's heart for his kings and for, for what he desired his leaders to do and where they've missed it, and what's gone wrong in the kingdom. Now God is going to turn specifically to them and address them. And what's amazing to me is that even in this last hour, God is still going to offer opportunity for these people to turn and get their hearts right, and God will stay the judgment. Amazing what God's patience is willing to do. But... Let's work our way through it. You'll see it beginning in verse 11, and we're really going to go all the way through now. Uh, Chapter 22 and verse 9, we see this heart of God trying to call His leadership back to their calling. We'll take it a little bit at a time. Look with me first, verse 11 through 12. And concerning the house of the king of Judah, say, Hear the word of the Lord. O house of David, thus says the Lord. Execute judgment in the morning and deliver him who is plundered out of the hand of the oppressor, lest my fury go forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Actually, look at verse 13 as well. Behold, I am against you, O inhabitant of the valley and rock of the plain, says the Lord, who say, who shall come down against us or who shall enter our dwellings. But I will punish you according to the fruit of your doing, says the Lord. I will kindle a fire in its forest, and it shall devour all things around. You hear the heart of the Lord. Listen, O house of David. Remember where, what your lineage is. Remember you are one of the sons of King David. Come back and do the things that David did. Come back and execute judgment and deliverance. Change your evil doings. The answer is not come and and ask for God to change. The answer is for you to change and come back to those things that God originally raised you up for. 
O house of David, kings of, of Judah, how you have fallen from what God had intended for you. And he's setting before them an opportunity even still to come. You, yet, yet you say, oh, who shall come down against us? You, you imagine in your heart that you're okay. You think you're secure. But I'm going to give you the fruit of your own doings. And that, that's, that's really what this judgment is about. This is not some God kind of randomly being angry and pouring out wrath on, a, on people just kind of because He was in a bad mood. This is God giving a nation the fruit of their own doing. They have sown these things, now they are reaping these things. And you can't now ask God to just change the, the laws of His justice just so that you can have what you want. No, God... Uh, will not dance to that tune. And he comes against this, this house of David, but he says, listen, come back to the things that I originally desired for you. We're going to see a little bit of that here. Verses 1 through 5 of the next chapter. You get to see what God really desired. Thus says the Lord, go down to the house of the king of Judah and there speak this word. Jeremiah, go tell them this. And say, hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah. You who sit on the throne of David, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, execute judgment and righteousness and deliver the plundered out of the hand of the oppressor. Do no wrong and do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless or the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. For if you indeed do this thing, then you then shall enter the gates of this house riding on horses and in chariots, accompanied by servants and people, kings who sit on the throne of David. But if you will not hear these words, I swear by myself, says the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. Kings, come back to your calling. Come back and care for my people. Come back and execute judgment and righteousness in the land. Do no wrong to the stranger, the orphan, the widow. God's heart cares for the underdog. God is sensitive to the needs of the poor, the orphan, the widow. The kings were preoccupied with their own kingdom, their own luxury, their own house. Then we'll see that in verses following. But if you would just do this thing, even in this last moment, if you will come back and do right in my kingdom, I will establish your reign forever. I will stay this judgment. You will continue to maintain leadership in this place. But if you will not, if you refuse to come and, and fulfill that which I've called you to do, then this judgment will come for certain. It's really something of a of a plea to the backslider, isn't it? It's saying to, the, to someone that, that had a calling upon their life and at one time they may have even walked in it, but now they have so distanced themselves and caught up in themselves that they no longer even see or remember the things that God called them to. O house of David, don't you remember your heritage? Maybe some of you have a spiritual heritage. Maybe it was a faithful praying grandmother or grandfather or mother or father but, or an uncle. Someone that took time and sowed spiritual life into your heart. 
Someone that was praying over you and something was birthed in your heart and, and maybe you did well for a season, but now you've, you've lost that touch with those roots. Oh, house of David, don't you remember who you are? Don't you know what I've called you to be? David was a man after God's own heart. And these kings had lost their way. And maybe some of us, maybe some of you have lost your way and you need to come back home to the, to the things that God has called you to. Look on here, verse 6. For thus says the Lord to the house of the king of Judah, You are Gilead to me, the head of Lebanon. Yet I surely will make you a wilderness, cities which are not inhabited. I will prepare destroyers against you. Everyone with his weapons, they shall cut down your choice cedars and cast them into the fire. And many nations will pass by this city, and everyone will say to his neighbor, Why has the Lord done so to this great city? And then they will answer, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and worshipped other gods and served them. You were Gilead to me. You were Lebanon. You were like a lush forest. You were a beautiful place to me, but now you're going to be like a wilderness. House of David, I had so much more for you. I had so much that that I desired to see work through your life, but now you've lost it because you've decided to break covenant with me and serve other gods. A tragedy, but still you see the heart of God longing to take care of the widows and the orphans, longing to see His leaders minister in truth, and even at this last hour, giving them an opportunity to repent. Well, as we move on in our text here today, what we see in verses 10 through 30 is these each specific king that I had, over, had on the overhead still up there. Each specific king now is addressed, and we begin to see the, the, the pattern of corruption that took place through the nation. Look with me first at verses 10 through 12. Weep not for the dead, nor bemoan him. Weep bitterly for him who goes away, for he shall return no more, nor see his native country. For thus says the Lord concerning Shalom, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, who reigned instead of Josiah his father, who went from this place, He shall not return here any more, but he shall die in the place where they have led him captive and shall see this land no more. After Josiah, his son Shalom reigned. He reigned only for three months. He was immediately taken captive and he would never return to this place. God would continue in what we see now. And I won't read all of this. I'll just take out some highlights here. But you begin to see the next king that was raised up, Jehoiakim. And we see the the sins that he uh, did against God and the people. Look at verse 13. Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness and his chambers by injustice, who uses his neighbor's service without wages and gives him nothing for his work, who says, I will build myself a wide house with spacious chambers and cut out windows for it, paneling it with cedar and painting it with vermilion. Shall you reign because you enclose yourself in cedar? This is Jehoiakim that he's speaking to now. And he's saying to Jehoiakim, you were too busy building your own house. You were too focused on your own luxury and cared nothing for the people. 
You were not interested in taking care of my people. You were only interested in taking care of yourself. And do you imagine that just because you live in a nice house, somehow you are the king, that living with cedar all around you makes you royalty? God is not looking for the outer trappings. God is looking for hearts that are His. God is looking for those that love His people, those that that love the things that God loves. And this is the way God works in, in, in the body of Christ as well. God is not looking to raise up prima donnas. God is not looking to raise up those that would somehow look like royalty. God is looking for those that would follow their King Jesus. God is looking for those that would humble themselves and be willing to lay their lives down in service to the Lord and to their brothers and sisters. These are the ones that God says I'm looking to raise up. The greatest among you will be the least. Look to serve. Don't look to be exalted. Don't look to raise yourself up. These kings had lost touch with the house and heart of David and the heart of God long time ago. And it's possible even even in our culture, Christians can imagine, you know, that somehow, you know, leadership is all about, you know, being important and and wearing a badge and having a title and looking spiritual. God is not interested in, in, in how you portray yourself outwardly. God is looking for what's going on inwardly. Do you love his people? Do you care about the orphan and the widow? Are the people and the needs that are ever about you just open your eyes? Do they mean anything to you? you, is, Is the heart of God and His compassion, is it beating in your heart? You remember what John said, 1 John 4 and verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for God, for the for for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Look at the latter part back in Jeremiah there, the latter part of of verse 15. The prophet tries to remind Jehoiakim of his father, Josiah. Did not your father eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. He judged the cause of the poor and needy. Then it was well. Was not this knowing me, says the Lord? Jehoiakim, don't you remember your father? Don't you remember? Listen, he ate and drank. He, he was blessed. He did not suffer. He, did, he was not living in poverty. I took care of him, but he took care of my people. That's why it was well with him, because he had a heart for the, for the needy. He judged righteously. He brought good leadership and spiritual reform into the, to the heart of the nation. And he says, isn't that what knowing me is all about? And so that's what John says. Those that know God walk in love. Because God is love. And someone who, who says he knows God but does not love does not know God. And this is what Jeremiah is getting at in the heart of this king. And he's, you know, the Holy Spirit would challenge us as well. Isn't, what knowing, isn't following Jesus all about being like Jesus? How easy it is to forget Jesus. We get so caught up in our own life, you know. 
we get so wrapped up in, in the drama and the, and the events and the, and the crisis and the, you know, and the busyness. And, and, and we forget, really, who, who was Jesus? I would encourage you to go back to the Gospels. Go back and spend a little time and read about your king. Read about the heart and the compassion that moved him. See how he talked and how he took time. People were his focus, bringing the love of God to bear in his culture. Saving souls, bringing them to truth. Clearing the clouded thoughts of the culture and the day. Calling out hypocrisy for what it was. And speaking the truth in love. Isn't that what knowing me is about? As if Jesus would say to his church, isn't knowing me about these things? It's not just about, you know, calling your name Christian. It's not just about, you know, doing Christian things. And, 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 and you know, I'm not belittling... I, you know, I enjoy those things. We enjoy Christian music and fellowship and we enjoy, you know, the things that God has blessed the church with. But don't forget about Jesus, the mission, the passion, the love, the care for the lost. And so the kings of Judah had lost their way. And God's heart is crying out to them and He's saying, you've forgotten what, what knowing me is really all about. Verse 21, jump ahead. I spoke to you in your prosperity, but you said I will not hear. This has been your manner from your youth that you did not obey my voice. He continues to speak to the king's. And he said, you know, it, it's not like I waited until the last minute to tell you. It's not like I didn't warn you. Jeremiah has been ministering here for 40 years, guys. It's not like there were, you never knew any better. It's not like I didn't speak to you when things were, were, even when you were in your prosperity. I started talking to you long time ago. You know, and it may be in your heart today. I've discovered this in just my ministry experience that some do. They, they wait for the crisis and then they come back to the Lord. And as I mentioned, I believe God and His mercy will meet you there. And if you're here today because Christ has brought you, God is willing to meet you if your heart is sincere. But I, 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 would, I would bet to say this is true. That those that have come to the Lord, even in crisis, you can remember that the Lord was actually speaking to you way back a long time ago, God was nudging. A long time ago, before you got to this place, while you were still in your prosperity, while you were still whole, before the trouble came, God was urging you to get your heart and life right with Him. And the Holy Spirit is faithful. And so He was even in the kings of Judah. This is not some snap decision that God now makes to judge. This is a long and patient effort to try and bring them back. But, as He said... You said, I will not hear. And this has been your manner from your youth. This is the way you've done it from the beginning. We close there in verses 24 through 30. The, the next, the final king referenced here as Coniah. You notice he was known as 
Jeconiah or also Jehoiakim with the N at the end instead of the M. This was also uh, one of the kings and the one just before Zedekiah. And it says of him there in verse 28, is this man, Coniah, a despised, broken idol, a vessel in which is no pleasure? Why are they cast out, he and his descendants, and cast into a land which they do not know? O earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, write this man down as childless, a man who shall not prosper in his days. And none of his descendants shall prosper, sitting on the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. This king would be judged. He would have no lineage to go on to reign in the, on the throne of David. And it says of him that he was a vessel in which is, is no pleasure. I created you to be a vessel of blessing. I created and desired you to be a king that would bring life and, and healing. But you, you refused and you became a vessel of which I take no pleasure. And now I must judge you and your future. Well, I want to close today with just a couple of thoughts concerning the royal calling upon our lives. These kings... They, had, they were of the royal line, the house of Judah, and the lineage of David. They had a heritage. They had a king who had set a good example. David was not perfect, but his heart was after the Lord. And God used him, and he set a good example for kings to follow. How much more, how much more we who follow the king, Jesus, how much more the example that we have Peter would say this in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. There is a calling on your life if you are a child of the King. We all like that. Oh, I'm a child of the King. I like that. Yes, I'm a child of the king. Well, you need to follow after your king. You need to, to, to get to know your king and, and recognize the kind of children he's looking for. The kind of royalty that you now represent. You represent a king who laid his life down for others. You, re you, you represent a special people chosen to proclaim the praises of him. That is Jesus who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We are called to represent Him in this day, in our generation. We are called to be like Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's pray. Father, I do thank You for this word to the kings. And it really is seeming to me, Lord, that the heart of, of these passages is trying to remind these kings of the good destiny that you had for them. That they were entrusted with something very special, something very precious, leadership, rulership over your people. I'm thinking of the New Testament where pastors are reminded to shepherd the flock of God which He purchased with His own blood. Lord, leaders are not to take advantage 
not in your kingdom. Leaders are to serve and to help and to care. And Lord, it may be that even here today, there are some that you've given leadership to. Maybe it's a husband who's to lead his home. Maybe it's a father or a mother who are called to lead their children. Maybe it's a manager in the workplace who's called to lead his, his organization. Lord, maybe it's, a, it's someone who ministers in, with, to children, a teacher. In some capacity, Lord, I think that in many cases you do entrust and give leadership to our lives. You allow us to have influence. And I pray that we would remember our King. That we would remember Jesus. And that we would consider Him. That He would become our example. That He would become the one in whom we will follow with all loyalty and life. That we would devote ourselves to be like You, Lord. We can't do it in our own strength, God. I have to be the first to admit that. It doesn't come naturally to me. I need the help of the Holy Spirit. I need to draw closer to You just as... Jeremiah said, is not this knowing me? Lord, help me to know you better so that I can be more like you. And as our heads are bowed now and just as we close, I ask you just to stay in a moment of prayer for for an opportunity for those that may need to respond here this morning. I want to pray for some of you here today if you need that prayer. If you're here today and you do not have a relationship with the Lord, God loves you. And God's got something better for you. He wants you to become a child of the King. He wants to bring you into His household. He wants to establish a love relationship with you where He is Lord and you are His blessed child. He wants to forgive you of your sins and He wants to fill your life and heart with purpose and hope. And if you're here today and you don't know Him in a personal way, I would love to pray for you as you invite Him into your life. Or maybe you're here today and you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe like Zedekiah, you've, you've lost your way like the kings of, of Judah in the last days. They just, you know, they, they started, maybe they started well, they certainly had good roots and foundation, but they lost their way. And they become so preoccupied with their own house and their own things that they lost sight of the things that God had for them and destined for them. And maybe that's your heart today. And maybe you need to come back and rededicate yourself to the King and reestablish your relationship with Him. I would love to pray for you as well. So if you're here today and you need to come to the Lord for the first time, or you need to come back to the Lord and rededicate your life to Him, would you please raise your hand where you're seated, and I will pray for you. God bless you, sir. Anyone else here today? God bless you in the back as well. Anyone else? The Lord is speaking to you. Anyone else just before I pray? Father, I do thank You for these that have responded. And I pray that You would meet them here today. 
with your love and your grace. Lord, these words of warning by the prophet, we understand why they're there. Lord, you show us. You say very clearly, if you will give heed to my word, I will establish you. I will bless you. I will forgive you. I will, I will confirm you. And so, Lord, these that have responded today, that's your heart toward them. I will forgive you. I will cleanse you. I will bless you. I will establish you. I have something for you. You are a child of the King. And I've called you as my own special people to be blessed and to be a blessing. So, Lord, forgive them of their sin this morning. We confess and acknowledge that we are sinners and we... We need mercy. We acknowledge that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin and took the penalty for my sin and is now resurrected as my Lord and King. Help me to live now for You, Lord. Forgiven and cleansed and filled with Your Spirit. Let there be no sense of guilt or shame or condemnation, but Lord, cleanse me completely and restore me in fellowship with You that I might walk and serve You with all my heart and life. Come and be the Lord. And from there, God, I know that You will bless and help and heal and restore. We thank You, Lord, for these things. And again, we just ask Your blessing, God, on, on all that You've called us to do as Your church. Oh, fulfill Your purpose. Jesus, it really is all about You. You are my King. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Would you stand with us and we'll close in a song of worship. It may be that some of you need prayer today. Those of you that responded with your hand, we would love to pray with you. We invite you to come. We'll have prayer ministers here. We have Bibles and resources available. We just want to pray and, and encourage you. There may be others that need prayer today.